Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The game hotline is 706-0111. You can also watch us on simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. I'm not normal. Sometimes I'm like this. I I don't know exactly where to start. I I think I'm going to start with the general like most shows do, and then we'll get to some specific stuff down the road. We're going to be talking Cajun baseball with Craig Melanson uh, about 935. Uh, Trying to figure out, we'll see what Craig's, I mean Craig, what Craig's um, thoughts are about what to expect from the Cajuns this weekend. Um, there were some hints thrown out earlier this week by Coach Deggs, and, and um, um, it, I saw the scheduled starting pitchers, so we'll, you know, we'll, we'll try to figure out how we think he's going to do it and then maybe how we would do it. So we'll be doing that with um, Craig Melanson in the – couple segments from now um I guess I'll wait to the 10 o'clock hour look I I am there are some things that I'm very impatient at I'm not good in traffic at all it's like all right let's go the light's green why is no one moving like what is going really why does that happen I guess it's the whole look at your phone thing I don't know it's just like the light is green why is the light not moving the line not moving, so I'm not I'm not good at all in traffic. But I've as I've gotten older, I've gotten a little more patient when it comes to teams, and there's a lot of impatient people around me right now. So we're going to address some of those issues. Um, I did get a chance to watch a little bit of an Astro spring training game last night. I'm not a big spring training game at all in fact probably most years I don't I don't I don't ever like look to see if the Astros won or lost a pre a spring training game I don't um you know I don't really observe um you know or look at the stand oh who's got the most home runs or who's you know I don't ever look at like spring training batting averages or any of that but it just this year just seems a little different. It's like I was hoping to see because I've never seen Pena, the new starting shortstop. I haven't even seen him. Uh, and then I, I was hoping I, if I, if he played last night, I'm, I sure missed it. I kept looking and I never saw him play. Uh, I wanted to see. I just want to see what he looks like, how he holds the bat, how he feels a ground ball. I, I I haven't done any of that. Um, you know. They talk about how talented he is. Um, so that was the main reason why I said when I got home last night and I saw that it was on because I didn't even know. I, I never know, like, any given day 
who they're playing or what time they're playing. I mean, again, it's spring training. I, I, I largely don't pay any attention to it at all. But uh, I did get a chance to see a little bit of it last night. Man, they got some guys that are swinging and missing. I know it's spring training, but, man, some of the new guys, Nico Goodrum, Lewis Brinson, guy, you know, a young guy. Well, he's not as young as he used to be, but he, uh, you know, he was at one time a pretty highly thought of prospect in the Marlins organization, and he's got he's got pop and some speed. Um, but man, them cats were swinging and missing wildly at every pitch. Now, Brinson did get a, a single to right when he was hitting from the right side, which is good to see, but guys were swinging and missing, but it, it's early. And then of course the professional hitter hit a grand slam. Um, I don't know that I needed to see the professional hitter do it, but, uh, but, but I guess it's always good to see that he's still a professional hitter. He got a grand slam and helped, helped him win the game. They were, you know, Brandon Belak is still the same. You know, he got lit. I mean, that guy, he had some good outings here and there, but but Belak, man, I don't know. I don't know about that cat. But anyway, um, did get a uh, chance to see a little bit of that. I guess it was good, but I didn't get to see Pena play, so I'm still kind of wanting to see what he, he looks like. It's fun to have a good young player that comes up and you and – you, um, And, and, you know, you get to see him in his early days and in, in his rookie year, and, and you get to see the good thing he does and the bad things. And, you you know, it, it, I can still remember the early days for most of the Astros' really good players. And so that, that, that that's good. You know, I can still remember um, used to be fat when he had his breakthrough two-homer game uh, at the Murph in San Diego, the pit as I called it. Uh, I can still remember Billy Wagner coming in at Dodger Stadium, staying up late one night, and, and him coming in and pitching at the end, and it was it was exhilarating. It was all oh, man, look at this guy, look at this kid, just mowing him down. You know, fun stuff. Um, and so I'm looking forward to that with Pena. We'll see how good he is, and it, you know that's a rough position to break in at, uh, shortstop. So we'll see. How it um how it does. One thing that I did hear last night, it that I that I liked when they interviewed Dusty, it did not sound like he's planning on playing Icky in center field. I, I don't I don't want any part of Icky being in center field. I just don't. It sounded like he was leaning. Now he might not have a choice at some point, but it sounded like he was leaning towards Icky keeping him in right field, which I think is a good thing. You um. He had a great year last year um, offensively. After the, He had a rough first month, and since then, um, after the first month, they said last night, his OPS was over 1,000. Like he, he was fabulous last year. Uh, and so I don't want to mess with that. And, and plus, I don't trust him in center field. I just don't. Um, you know, I'd rather them do McCormick or whoever else they can do, but I, I, I don't know. Not a big, not a big fan of Icky playing center, but we'll see. I mean, again, you, you you've got, um, you know, Brantley's a left fielder. You don't want to put him in right. 
And so I, I don't know all what's going to, how it's all really going to play out. Injuries will probably determine most of that, but we'll see. But anyway, we got that done. Uh, as I suspected, Houston defeated Arizona. I kind of had a feeling that was going to happen. I did not think Arkansas was going to beat Gonzaga. Um, but Arkansas, again, I was high on Arkansas all year long, but at the end of the season, it didn't look like they were playing real well. Maybe they just kind of limped to the finish line and their focus was on the NCAA tournament. It wasn't on, you know, what seed they got in the SEC tournament or the SEC tournament itself. I guess you could argue that was the case, but um, just that cat Musselman is something. I mean, he is something. He is. He gets as fired up. Uh, he has as much of a chip on his shoulder as any coach you're going to see. You know, he seems to relish when people kind of overlook him or undervalue his team, and he is, uh, he'll let you know. So he's, he's a firecracker, as they say. And he, um, and, and you know, they, they kind of dominated the game. I didn't see a lot of it, but I, I saw some of it, and I saw, you know, people analyze it, and, it, you know, it, it was not a fluke. And, and what both of those things are, it showed you the value of defense. And, and you know, everything normally, you know, I always joke with the old 90s cliche commercial, chicks dig the long ball, which is offense, uh, means that, you know, everybody loves offense. But Houston doesn't win with offense. They win with defense. And Arkansas largely wins with defense. And I, I kind of like it. I, I think it's... It's awesome. It's refreshing. I love it. And so um, I think that was, um, even though those were the two teams that I picked, I, I enjoyed watching those teams win. All right, let's go to the game hotline. I think we got a familiar voice on here. Morning, Kevin Foote. How are you, sir? I'm doing awesome, man. What a great weekend we got coming up, huh? UL baseball, softball, man. Well, we need we, we, we need it for sure. Now, you're a man that likes defense, so you have to enjoy watching the Houston Cougars play and, and Arkansas play. I am loving every minute of this NCAA tournament. I'm loving every minute, man. It's been awesome. It's it's what, uh, you know, uh, regard, regardless of the transfer portal and the NIL, at least we're going to see some. Great basketball. We're going to see the little guy has a chance, like St. Joe's. To, I mean, St. Peter's. I, I don't right. know the name of that that school. St. Peter's. But, you know, a, a chance to play with the big boys. So this is what it's all about. I love it. It, 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 it. It's been lots of fun for sure, and there's been a lot of great games and interesting matchups. But I talked about it yesterday, Coach. Don't man, Purdue's in a weird situation here. Just seems like there's a lot of pressure on them. Like they're going to really get ridiculed if they lose this game. Boy, no doubt. Oh, they like be yeah, heavily, heavily favored. I tell you, I think everybody thinks it's going to be a route, but I'm, I'm not so sure about that, man. I'm telling you, this team, you know, they, they, they're tough, man. When you, but it's just like you know, like I picked Houston to win too, just because of their toughness. I thought they were, they just, a, they just, mean, they some mean dudes, man. When you got mean dudes that can play basketball, it, it, it's, it's tough. And, and you know this, that Houston's best player, Kevin's not even playing. He, he was out for the year. Remember when UL when UL played Houston? I think I mean I don't know if you look back at the score, but I'm pretty sure that was like a ten point game. Uh, 
uh, maybe even nine. And uh, but 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 Houston had three starters out that game. Uh, two of them eventually came back from injuries, but the other kid is out. He was out for the year. He's, the, he's their best scorer. So can you imagine they doing all this without without their best players? So uh, oh, by the way, Kevin, uh, just to let the Kidiana people know, you know, we do got a local boy. Um, Associated with the Houston Cougars, did you know that? Uh, absolutely. Go ahead, tell them yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, Bobby. Yeah, oh, oh he did. Okay, yeah, Bobby. Shopper, no, no, man. you tell him. I mean, uh, I didn't, I haven't talked about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so Bobby Champagne, who you know his playing playing days at, at St. Thomas More with the Cougars, and then he went on to play at South Alabama, uh, and then I I don't know his whole. I, I had a hard time following exactly where he coached at all the places, but he's, he's he was he was at UL at one time. I think it was under Jesse Evans. Is it a Marty or Jesse? I think it was Jesse, right? Oh, no, yeah, it's definitely not Marty. Yeah. yeah, no, not Marty, not Marty. You're right. So he was under Jesse Evans, coached here for a couple of years. Then he went with Samson to Oklahoma, uh, coached there. Then he then he got the head job at the uh, University of North Alabama. Uh, I'm pretty sure Bobby spent about yeah, probably about ten years there. What was ironic is they finally went to Division One, and um, I guess they figured, oh, uh, you know, he wasn't a guy to leave him in Division One. So they, I mean, and he had a winning record when he left. But anyway. They, they let him go, and uh, he was actually, this is kind of a, a funny story, uh, he was actually coaching high school, a high school basketball team, and, and we, were, you know, we were in contact with somebody, he goes, he goes, Danny, I'm serious. He said, this is like the bad news bears, and he would tell me about how, you know, he had a kid on his team that had never played before that tried out, you know, he, played, he hadn't played like since his seventh grade year, uh, you know, and he wanted to come back, he said, I'm telling you, he said, I'm going to just try to win one game this year, and so he was all set to go, uh, we talked a bunch of basketball, you know, what, what offenses I was running now and all that. And, uh, and then out of the blue, Samson calls him. Uh, evidently, they lost somebody on the staff, and uh, Samson called him. And, you know, Bobby's now uh, the basketball relations guy, you know, so that's awesome for him. Uh, man, I tell you the truth, I- I'm serious. If there's a dark horse to win it all, I- I'm taking the Houston Cougars. I- 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 it's not far-fetched them to win the whole thing just because they just can guard, uh, Kevin. They can guard, man. And, and I don't know that anybody at the very top is all that great compared to, like, the best one or two teams. I, I totally agree with yeah. you. I think it's – I just think this year going in, I think it's just wide open. You know, everybody yeah. say, was saying Gonzaga, but you could tell that from that last game when St. Mary's beat them by 10. And, look, don't get me wrong, St. Mary's is good. But, but you know, I mean, you know, I don't think they're one of the blue bloods. And, and you know, for them to beat them by 10, I'm thinking – you know, they this Gonzaga team is definitely beatable, and it's like you said. I mean, who who is the best team now? You know, everybody's like a lot of people pick Kentucky to make it to the Final Four. I mean, they knocked them out. So, no, I, I I'm like you. I think at this point in time, I think any of those teams that are left could could be national champions. I don't think there's any clear cut. Which leads me to the fact that, you know, uh, you know the story about I talked to you about going to the Duke game. Right. And I'm a big Duke fan. I'm a big Duke fan. So I'm actually, you know, that was, was my two teams. Now I'm pulling for Houston because of Bobby. And I'm obviously pulling for Duke because I'm a big Krzyzewski fan. So uh, it would be nice to see him ride it out. Uh, you know, what a story that would be on him in his last year to ride it out. I, 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 Kevin, I'm not sure they're good enough. I thought maybe last night might be the team to trip him up because uh, Texas Tech is a lot like Houston. That's right, kind of the, right. They, they're all built on their defense, you know. And obviously, you know, Duke had enough offense to overcome that. So I don't know. Duke, I didn't think they played very well to, at the end of the year. The game I went to see him play, they played a depleted Florida State team. And they wanted to win him by 20, but, but it wasn't, you know, Florida State had the two best players out as well. So I didn't get a true test there. You know, North Carolina goes in and whips them at their place. Uh, they get beat in the tech, by uh, Virginia Tech in the, in the tournament. 
I'm like, man, they're not going in, you know, on a very, you know, high note saying, hey, we're playing our best basketball. And I was really worried about last night. But, man, I'm telling you, where I'm looking at now, uh, it's not inconceivable that, that Duke could, uh, could obviously win it all. No, I agree. But I would never count out Villanova either. Oh, no. Now, look, I, I, you know, uh, Kevin, we talk about, you know, I know you. we on that group text me and you and I laugh all the time. I, I tell everybody about my overrated uh, 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 <laughs> I overrated Sean Payton. Sean Payton is, and I get a lot of slack about that. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I think he's. I think uh, he is very underrated as a coach. He he may be the best one out there. That guy. He. I mean, I don't care what year it is. He's always got those guys ready. And I agree with you too. They could. They are definitely team that could win it all. Absolutely. All right, Danny. Well, enjoy, and hopefully you can. Uh, I don't know if you're going to go to any of the Cajun games, but man, they need they need some wins this weekend for sure. Yeah, I'm going to go to one baseball and one softball game this weekend. So yeah, we we need to get that we need to get that going in the right direction for sure. Absolutely. Hey, and I'm actually going to be at the, fi- at the Final Four game as well. I'm excited about about the Final Four trip too. So that'll be fun. Yeah. All right. Take care, Kevin. Thank you, Danny. All right. Bye-bye. Always good to talk to Danny Broussard, especially. Uh, about basketball. He gets fired up. You can just tell it in his voice. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back more with you on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. March 25th, 1972. The UCLA men's basketball dynasty rolls right along as the Bruins claim their sixth straight national title with an 81-76 win over Florida. Future Hall of Famer Bill Walton for UCLA is named most outstanding player. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to the game. Footnotes on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The game hotline 706-0111-706-0111. Yeah, I um I I I'm I'm worried that again, I don't I don't hate Coach K like Paul, but I think Paul might be in trouble. I think Paul might be in trouble. I could see it. I could. You can see it happening now, the whole Coach K story thing happening, and I and and he might prove me wrong, but but I don't think Carolina is going to beat UCLA. But we'll see. We got to. They'll play that game tonight, and 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 we'll see. But um, it is. Um, it's not looking as good as I thought it was going to look for those who. T- who didn't want Coach K uh, to to go all the way? So we'll see. I kind of start to think that's gonna happen. You can just see that storyline. Uh, before we get back to it, want to remind you if you want to see some of the elite dunks, ball handling that you're ever gonna see, you want to go see the world famous Harlem Globetrotters. They're returning to the Cajun Dome on Tuesday, April the fifth. 
If you would like to see them live, you could win a family pack of four tickets to see the Harlem Globetrotters. And what you need to do is text Trotter to 68683. Text Trotter to 68683, and you might win a family four-pack of tickets to see the Harlem Globetrotters at the Cajun Dome thanks to Southwest Louisiana's sports station. So let us go to the game hotline and talk to Rockefeller. How are you, sir? Man, that's all y'all do is hate on people, man. Who we hating on? That's all y'all do is hate on people. Like you hate Coach K and all that. What you I, I already said I didn't hate him. Paul said he hated him. I said I never really root for him, but I don't hate him. But but I can but I do you get really tired. Of, for? What he did you? Because I'm a North Carolina. I grew up North Carolina fan. Ah, there you go. There you ah, there you go. There you go. You slip and say it. There you go. You're a uh, North Carolina fan. There you no. go. I said there I grew go. up a North Carolina fan. I'm not a fan anymore because I don't follow. Oh y'all. Oh yeah, you're a fan for you're a fan. You just said it. You said it. You caught <laughs> oh. yourself though. I, I caught you. You're a fan. You're a fan of North Carolina. And you sit up there and talk about the Sapo teams. Really? But you're pulling for North Carolina on the slick. Yeah, no, it's not on the slick. I, I mean, a jealous, Phil Ford. A lot Ford, of jealous hatred, my man. A lot of jealous hatred. Y'all need to get over it. Get over it and grow up. It has nothing to do. And it has the man so angry lately. <laughs> angry. I've already explained it. In the 70s, I, I don't know, I was seven, eight, nine years old, somewhere in there. And I remember I didn't know anything about the concept of the conference tournament. The first conference tournament was the ACC conference tournament. I remember watching it and started pulling for North Carolina. I, um, again, that was in the Field Four days. You know, Field Ford and Michael Korn and Bobby Jones and and then you know, and then the next group came along with uh, Sam Perkins and James Worthy and Jordan and Kenny Smith and. I, I I pulled for North Carolina a lot. Watched them every time I could in the um, 70s and 80s. And then I've already told this, the whole story about I kind of had to back away from basketball. But I'm not a fan anymore. I, don't, I couldn't tell you any given day when they play or anything. It has nothing to do with jealousy or anything. The, I think Rockefeller has a problem with, with sports hatred and rivalries. This isn't like the, you're supposed to have sports hatred and rivalries. He gets it for the Patriots, but he don't seem to get it for for anything else. He's just so angry lately. I don't know what we're going to do with Rockefeller. We need, we're going to have to give him some therapy or something. He's just so angry lately. But um but no, it's um I, I you know, it, it's just the whole coach K thing. It just gets old. I mean, that's all. And now, again, I'm not um the truth of the matter, a lot of the time when I liked North Carolina the most, Duke wasn't even a factor. Now, Duke made it to the finals in 78, and I rooted for him. Uh, what was that? Bill Foster, I believe, was the coach. And that was pre, that was pre-Coach K. Um, and I rooted for him because they played Kentucky. You never pulled for Kentucky in basketball. Um, so, yeah, I... Um, I've rooted for Duke before, and and I, and I really don't hate him. It's nothing now. But, again, if you ask me who I want to win between Carolina and Duke, I'm going to say Carolina, of course. But I I, I really don't hate him. It just, you know, the, that story can kind of 
can be, you know, enough. Okay, we know. He, he's, we know. So, but no, it, it, it's not. Now, Paul, I think, hates him. And if you are a true Carolina fan, you're supposed to hate him. That's part of the deal. It's, <laughs> it's not a, um, there's nothing wrong with that. That's what, that's doing your job. But no, I say I'm not a fan anymore because I, I, you know, that would be an insult to true North Carolina fans. It's like I say, I'm not really a Laker fan anymore. There was a time that I was when I really followed basketball. But once I gave it up, I want them to win. Now, I follow the Lakers a little more than I follow Carolina, but, uh, but not much. I mean, I, I don't, any given day, I mean, you know how I am as an Astro fan and a Saints fan. I think about it every day. I know who they're playing every day except for, you know, in the regular season. Again, I don't care about spring training. But, um, you know, my mood is um, impacted whether they win every day or not. It's just not like that with, with the Lakers or North Carolina. Um, it's, just, it's just different. Just I like them. I don't dislike them. I hope they do well. But I don't follow them, so I, I wouldn't insult the true fans by saying I'm a fan of them because I don't really follow them. To me, you're only a fan is if you're a sicko fan like I am with the Saints and Astros and you follow them every day and you live and breathe and you think about them when you're brushing your teeth and everything else you do. So it's just, you know, it's different. So no, not a Carolina fan, and um, I don't hate Coach K. Man, sensitive. But um, that's all part of the fun. Without sports hatred, seriously, I know we're kind of halfway joking here, but without sports hatred, I don't think sports would be any fun. You got to have sports hatred. Just have to. Just don't think it would be much fun without it. All right. We will take a timeout. Come back. Bring on Craig Malonson. Talk Cajun baseball. Huge weekend series starting tonight at 6 o'clock. At Russo Park, Cajun, South Alabama. Hopefully, Cajuns can get back on the uh, winning side. And, and, man, what a great time to do it. Can't think of anybody better. Speaking of good old-fashioned sports hatred, Cajun, South Alabama in baseball. That's a great example. We'll be back after this timeout on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You can call in and say Pete Rose deserves to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. You can call and proclaim that the Houston Astros were the only team that stole signs. Just know this. Foot will disagree with you. Call into Footnotes with Kevin Foot at 337-706-0111. Back to more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to remind you again about the ultimate crawfish boil. Brought to you by J.J. Exterminating. 
Kramer Equipment, and Cody's Crawfish. You can win two sacks of live crawfish, a pot, a burner, ice chest, tumbler, chairs, $500 Visa gift card, and tickets to an Astro game. So sign up today for the Game Rewards Club by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. You might win the ultimate crawfish boil. Again, thanks to JJ Exterminating, Kramer Equipment, Cody's Crawfish, and the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. All right, we have with us Mr. Craig Malonsar. How are you, sir? I am doing well. It's Friday, and we have baseball, so it's always a good day. Uh, absolutely. All right, so we're going to get into this baseball thing. And um, this team, I, I wrote a column, uh, I believe it was yesterday. <laughs> It, 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 in some ways, it's a hard team to figure out. In some ways, it's not. In other words, you know, I, I kind of made the the analogy to the men's basketball program in that the men's basketball team kind of proved that you can get hot late when you haven't really shown the ability to do that throughout the season by winning six of seven to make the Sunbelt Conference Tournament Finals. And, and yet with this baseball team, I think the baseball team is doing more fundamental things better. Um, you know, they play pretty good defense most of the time, and I think when they get a lineup set, uh, they'll play even better defense. Uh, they're doing some fundamental things, but they don't strike out a ton, although they did the other night a little bit. But uh, and, and so I think there's some hope, but, it, you know, you need to see results too. Yeah, I mean – in the last 10 games, they've definitely been playing better, although the record hasn't showed it, which is uh, which happens a lot. I mean, baseball is, is, is one of those games that, you know, you fail a lot into it. But, Kevin, if I told you that we were batting 444 with the bases loaded, you would think we would have won more games. The problem is we've only had nine opportunities, which is the lowest in the Sunbelt Conference. And, uh, and with the top of uh, – Teams having over 30, 30 chances at, at with the bases loaded. Problem is we're not getting on base to to do that. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's part of the problem. I think the pitching has done okay. Uh, I think the the fielding uh, we're committing too many errors still. So, uh, it's going to take it's going to take a good weekend this weekend to to win some baseball games. The problem with this weekend is you could play really well and still lose. I mean, this team is good. Well, it, and it's not going to really get any better either because we we go to Southeastern, we go to New Orleans, and we have Georgia Southern who's playing well in, in for three games. Then we go to Louisiana Tech for three, uh, two games before heading up to Arkansas State. And who knows at that, at that time what Arkansas State's going to be doing. It's not going to get any better we have we have to do something here i told you last week that i i felt it would be a, a failure if we didn't win two out of three um it, troy is better than i expect than i thought they were honestly but at the same time we get we gave a couple of the games away i uh i, I think troy's pretty good again we, we we talked about it before the season when you look at this pre-conference schedule and then the first two or three teams they have to play in conference play. Plus, you already you already know how tough all your midweek games are because every team in the state can beat you. You know, no, it, you know that you know whether it's Nichols or McNeese or Northwestern or Tech or 
Southeastern, Tulane, whoever, any midweek game you play against someone in the state, they can beat you because they're all got good programs. So it's um, it, it, it was going to be tough. And I remember thinking, man, if we could just be 500, if they could just get to 500, you know, before they start playing some teams that maybe aren't, you know, upper division teams, they would be okay. And they still can do that. So, all right, you mentioned pitching, and that's what I want to really get into. So, he hinted earlier this week um, that he might it might be time to experiment a little bit with how pitchers are used. What what if anything do you expect to maybe be a little different about how pitchers are used this weekend? I think uh, we're going to see uh, outside of Brandon Talley and Jeff Wilson, depending on uh, how Jeff pitches on Sunday. I expect on Saturday more of a midweek style uh, pitching contest with maybe your starter only going three innings and then seeing the, uh, that back into the bullpen. You may, it may be one of those things that we, where we see uh, guys like Jacob Schultz uh, and, and, and those guys that can handle that pitch maybe two out of three games or maybe in all three games, using them for one inning, trying to get the guys that are pitching well uh, in, in all of the games that they can. I don't know that for a fact. He hasn't commented to me on that. But I, if he's saying things like that, that's what I expect, more of a, a midweek approach to Saturday as far as uh, using a lot of pitchers. You know, I wonder if it's if it's going to be more like the opener concept, which is kind of what you're saying. I, I, um, you know, the, the whole idea behind when the Rays started doing the opener is they didn't have enough starting pitching because starting pitchers – you know, elite starting pitchers in the major leagues, those are the guys that make all the money. And so they they, they didn't have all these quote-unquote elite starting pitchers. So they said one day, you know what, why put out a mediocre to bad starting pitcher when I can start the game with my bullpen or one of my bullpen's arms that's really good and get us into the third or get us into the fourth Um with putting up a zero or maybe just give up one run most of the time. And that way, uh, hopefully I'm hitting the ball and scoring some runs, or at least if I'm not, I'm I'm not down, you know, f- five to one going to the fourth inning. Yeah. I, and, and if you look at, at the early success that we had, I mean, guys that were uh, pitching well, it seems like they went that extra step that they ran out of gas. Uh, so, I mean, if you look at guys like Chipper Menard, if you can get him in and pitch two out of three games on the weekend, but only pitches one inning and can get out of an inning, I think that's good for him and brings back some confidence. Same thing with Hayden Dirk. Uh, Shiflet, maybe a great opportunity for him to, to go three innings on Saturday. He, he pitched well on uh, Tuesday night, but wasn't in there very long. So bringing him back this weekend. I still think Peyton Havert is going to be a success story. He didn't do well against uh, Nichols, but at the same time, he wasn't overextended, so we may have an opportunity to see him. So so the question is, though, you you can run out of arms that way. You can, but if we can get some – some some low pitch counts on on these guys with with uh with, with them going without stressful innings. But the key to that is going to be what the Cajuns do hitting the ball. I mean, how how well are we going to you know we're, we're going to have to score some runs 
because South Alabama has a not uh, has is is one of the best hitting teams as well as one of the best pitching teams in the league. We can't let them jump out to big leads, but at the same time, we've got to keep the game close. And if you look at South Alabama's bullpen, that's where they have struggled a little bit as well. You know, giving up 13 runs against Auburn. I know it was a midweek game, but at the same time, those bullpen guys are the ones that 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 are are there in those midweek games that are going to be pitching on the weekend as well. So the other thing knock, we we have to knock the starters out. Yeah, the other thing that you have to do is not throw too many pitches by you know, i.e., walking people, and 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 even if you don't walk people, going full count on every batter. To where you know you can extend pitchers a, another inning or so maybe, and not making errors that extend innings that may cost pitchers ten, twelve pitches here and there. Well, yeah, I mean, I like the fact that we're that you know this this pitching staff has struck out a lot of batters, but at the same time we know that striking out a lot of batters also puts your your pitch count up. So it, it's it's, but if they're throwing strikes and not getting the full counts, not walking batters not hitting batters, and your defense is playing behind you, strikeouts can be a good thing. So I know I'm, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth there, but you, under, you understand No, no, I, I, absolutely that's important. Now, the other thing is the injury situation. Warner Rincona has got pulled from his start Wednesday in, in Thibodeau. I don't know. I mean, I don't I'm, I don't know that it's anything serious, and but they, they need him – um, to help the defense to, to to be better, and then you know we're all just waiting to see if and when Marshak ever is able to play again with his oblique. I think we'll see Marshak this weekend. Uh, Rincones is definitely one we need in the lineup. Plus, player on the defensive side, his bat has finally started get uh, coming around. We need that. Uh, I don't know how bad Rincones, uh, Coach Deggs hasn't said anything about that that I've seen um it is um again it, it sounds like he's gonna he had kind of said Monday that he's gonna do a lot of that you know moving from second and third base which he's done a little bit but again Rinconis has to be healthy in, in, in order to do that and so the the other thing um is if you end up pitching guys earlier, um, I guess you can't worry so much about who the closer is going to be. You you know you you got to get to the closer situation kind of first, and and you know that's the that's the only issue. For instance, again, you know you're starting two guys like we said over and over that in our minds when the seasons before the season started. We're going to be in the bullpen, so you already short two guys from your quote unquote bullpen. And, and and then if you use Jacob earlier, especially to get out of critical situations, which I'm not against, then you might have to, you know, trust some guys to close out games that normally wouldn't be closing out games. Yeah, you correct. But like you said to the the uh if, if if the game if you can't keep the game close, it doesn't matter what happens at the end of the game. If South Alabama starts running away with it, because then you're going to see these guys come in, and I don't think they, I don't, I don't think it's healthy for a pitcher to always come in in a game that that the, the the team is down four runs. I think they tend to get relaxed. I think we need to put them in a pressure situation and and see how they respond. I mean, 
it's still a long season left, quite honestly. Right. We've only yeah. played the first four. Yes. I agree. Now, let so, me you know, ask we've you. We've only played the first. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Right. Let me ask you one more question before we go. Yep. Depending, if they don't win this series, will they now be at the point where midweek games don't matter as much as we know, and maybe you need to pitch pitchers longer in midweek games and save the arms for the weekend? Or are we not at that point yet, do you think? Oh man, that's a uh, man, that's a tough question. Um, I, I don't think we're quite there yet, uh, especially with Southeastern and UNO coming up this weekend and or, or this this week, and then the following two games of Louisiana Tech. I mean, you hate to; uh, those are all whether it's whether it's whether it's. Are, I know they're midweek games, but at the same time, these are the guys that you're recruiting against, especially Louisiana Tech. Do you really want to just throw those games to the side? So that's where I'm, I'm not getting paid to make that decision. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I understand. All right, sir, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, um, again, this is a really good team coming in this weekend, so hopefully they can – Get that, uh, get two W's. That would be a, uh, that would make everybody feel a lot better. So hopefully, hope to see you at the ballpark. All right, thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it. Take care, Craig Malonso. No, it's a tough, and I'm sure the coaches are talking about all these things. Should we use this guy here or here? How many pitches? It's uh, it's like a big puzzle, and it's all over the place. And how do you put the right piece in the right spot? And that's what they're trying to figure out right now. And it's um. It's not always as easy as it looks. When you don't have starting pitching, it's just tough. It's just you really have to experiment, and it makes coming up with solutions muy difícil. All right, we will take a timeout, come back, finish out the first hour next on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Kevin Foote is a walking, talking encyclopedia of New Orleans Saints history. No, seriously. After that is 2013, which I call the forgotten Saints season because in so many people's mind, the Saints streak of good football ended with the Bounty Gate season. And it's not just recent history either. In 88, they finished 10 and 6, tied for first place in the division, did not make the playoff because they got cheated by a blind official named Fred Silver who absolutely cheated, uh, stole a game on Sunday night in a 13 to 12 loss to the Giants with his either blindness and ineptness or cheating or whatever you want to call it. I think he was just blind and senile. We return to the man who's forgotten more Saints history than you will ever know. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Man, it'd be hard to get rid of that song, don't you think? <laughs> it'd be hard to get rid of that one. All right. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Speaking of songs that you like, 
probably that Hannah would like a whole lot more than I would like, but who knows? Um, want to remind you about the Hangout Music Festival scheduled for May the 20th through 22nd in Gulf Shores, Alabama. If you would like to win VIP passes, you simp to become eligible to win VIP passes, I should say. All you need to do is join the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, and you could uh, win VIP passes to the Hangout Music Fest in Gulf Shores, Alabama, May 20 to 22nd with uh, such musical groups as Post Malone, Halsey, and Megan the Stallion, just to name a few. I think she counted like 50-something groups or something. It's like a humongous number. So that's just a few of them, including Shaq. Like, why, they should just put Shaq on this list. Like, Shaq is like, you know, people would just enjoy being Shaq because he's got such a fun personality. So just want to re- remind you about that. All right. We're going to shift gears. I was a patient. Because, you know, for those of you who don't like history, you keep misinterpreting history. I keep having to remind you. We're not talking about long history. Some of us don't know what happened 30 years ago or 50 years ago. Some of us forget what happened two years ago and three years ago. So I have to remind you and myself. And we'll do some of that having to do with the Saints next hour that's it for the first hour on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station broadcasting live from the delta media studios in upper lafayette two hours of sports talk like none other footnotes with your host kevin foot Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The game hotline is 706-0111-706-0111. And you can um you can also watch us simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133. On LUS Fiber. All right. I want to get, there's a lot of people doing a lot of panicking right now. And again, I'm not saying I'm totally disinterested in the Saints acquiring someone. I look every day to see if they've acquired someone. But that doesn't mean that I'm pressing the panic button. There are a lot of Saints fans around this area that are pressing the panic button. And, um, Really, 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 really concerned. Um, in the past, the Saints have kind of made it a practice of, if they have needs, trying to at least somewhat address them in free agency and even before they get to the draft. And I think that might have something to do with why some are just in total panic mode. Uh, about the Saints not making a bunch of acquisitions so far in the free agency period. But um, I want to, I, 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 brought, I, I think, first of all, 
the two areas that are, they're obviously very concerned with is um, wide receiver and, and, and offensive tackle. And we've already gone over this week more than once that that's the two strengths of the draft. And so I would expect that the Saints would take at least one high pick. If not, they have four picks in the first three rounds as of now. And so I would think at least three of those four picks will address those two areas. Now, if not, which is not a guarantee, I get that. Uh, if not, then, you know, we, we, we'll we talk after the draft, and I'll tell you how concerned I am. And I'll say whether, I mean, it's a free country. If you want to press the panic button, press the panic button. But I, I'll tell you whether I think you're totally justified, somewhat justified, or or way over the top in panic, in too much in panic mode. Uh, after the draft. But the point I wanted to make, the history lesson I referred to is this. You know, Jeremy Fowler said this morning that it looked like Marquise Valdez-Stantling, Scantling, was was heading from the Packers, was a free agent, and he was going to sign with the Saints. And then they couldn't agree at the, you know, the – the the um, Chiefs bettered the offer at the last second, and he signed with the Chiefs. And so there's a lot of people panicking about the Saints wide receiver situation. They don't have a receiver. They don't have a receiver. They don't have a receiver. I, I would like to get a receiver, too. I think they're going to get one in the draft, which normally I'm against. But right now, I'm not against. And so, but I want to, rem- again, I want to remind us In 2018, because this has to do with what I was saying yesterday. In 2018, this was the Saints receiving core. Number one, Michael Thomas. The Saints receiving core this year is number one, Michael Thomas. Now, I will agree, he hasn't played in a while. Is he going to be as good as he was uh, in 2018 and 19? Certainly not initially, but by hopefully by the end of the year he will be uh, at that in that level or close to that level anyway. He's still the number one receiver. The the number two receiver in terms of he, he wasn't he was really number three, but in terms of reception was Traquan Smith, who most of you hate. He had twenty eight catches for four hundred twenty seven yards. That was the second most productive receiver on a team that should have been in the Super Bowl. The third one who was really the number two was Ted Ginn, who most of y'all hated. I loved him. Most of y'all hated Ted Ginn. He had 17 catches. You know the fourth receiver was on that team? The Super Bowl Saints team, or should have been Super Bowl Saints team of 2018? Keith Kirkwood. He was the number four receiver. So how many of you right now think that Keith Kirkwood is better than Callaway? Really, y'all think that? Well, all I keep hearing is, well, man, we got no wide receivers. Like, we, we, we have, we're coming off one of the worst offensive. They're coming off one of the worst offensive years ever because everybody was hurt. Everybody was hurt. But... um. So my contention is, 
even right now, the receiving core is better than it was in 2018. And they're going to draft the receiver. 2009, and by the way, 2018, the Saints' top two tight ends were Ben Watson and Josh Hill. Ben Watson caught 35 passes that, that year. 35 passes. The tight end. 2018. Should have been Super Bowl team. Last year, Troutman was bad. He caught 27. With no quarterback. With injured offensive line. With all the disarray that was going on on the offense. You didn't know who your quarterback was going to be. You didn't know who the offensive line was going to be. They had no receivers. Everybody was hurt. It was complete disarray for most of the year on offense. And in 2018, the leading tight end guy caught eight more passes than Troutman caught. Eight. So you tell me you can't make that up with a little more stability on offense. That can't be made up. 35. The second leading tight end was Josh Hill. He had 16 catches. Jawan Johnson had 13 last year. Now, don't get me wrong. Josh Hill's way better blocker and all that than Jawan Johnson. I'm talking about when we complain about tight ends, we're not complaining about the blocking. We're complaining about the receiving. So you telling me that they can't get to that, I think they're going to do better than that. I think this year's tight end, even if they don't pick up one, just having some stability at quarterback, some just having – not if you're not like the most injured team in the history of the National Football League, which the Saints arguably were, they can overcome, you know, 11 receptions, even with the tight ends, even if they don't add a tight end. This idea that the Saints had these unbelievable passing offenses back then and these unbelievable depth at wide receiver, I, I just think our memories are diminished. 2019, the number one receiver was Michael Thomas. Uh, The number two receiver was Ted Ginn. He had 30 catches. The number three receiver was Traquan Smith. The number four receiver in 2019 was Deontay Harris, who had six catches. Six. He was the number four receiver. Once the Saints draft a receiver in the first or second round, the number four receiver is going to be Callaway, who was disappointing as a number one receiver last year, but he still put up some pretty decent numbers. Way better than six catches for 24 yards, which was what the number four receiver did in 2019 when this offense was, this passing game was supposedly way better. Now, 2020 was a little different because they had Sanders there. And remember, Michael Thomas got hurt in the first game, which was, I still think, um, Casper to quit his fault. Uh, he only had 40 catches that year because he was hurt all year. Sanders had a decent, a pretty nice season with 61. But still, the third receiver that year was Traquan Smith. Y'all don't like Traquan Smith. Um, you know, it that that received that that third and fourth receiving core wasn't any better than right now. And I contend 
unless the rookie that they pick is a bust. Now, I think the 2020 receiving core would have been better had Thomas been healthy, but he didn't really play that many games. But this year, if Thomas plays and they draft a rookie receiver and he's you know good enough to be at least the number three receiver, they're, they're going to have the best receiving core they've had during this whole time. <laughs> like Again, I'm not saying it's like, I'm not comparing it to the Chiefs or, you know, another receiving core. I'm saying it's going to be better than any receiving core if the Saints don't pick up a free agent wide receiver. Let's say they never sign one. But they draft a good receiver, and there are a lot of good receivers in the first two rounds on paper to draft. And that guy can at least be a number three receiver. They're going to have the best one, two, three, four receiving core that they've had through this whole run. Now, I don't, I, I don't think they're going to have as good a tight end as Jared Cook was a couple of years ago because he caught for like 600-something yards and I don't know, whatever it was, six, seven, eight touchdowns. I don't know that any of the tight ends are going to get to that, but it's certainly going to be better than Ben Watson was at the end of his career. They can get to that without making any moves. I think, again, I get being a little impatient. I just think some people are going way over the top, and they're way over-glorifying how much it's going to take for this wide receiving core to get better. All it's going to take is drafting an above-average receiver. That's all it's going to take, and they're going to have the best receiving core that they've had in at least the last five years. I think we we got to remember... This is not a new problem, depth at wide receiver. Even when they were Super Bowl, major Super Bowl contenders, they didn't have any depth at wide receiver. They can get to, they're going to have more depth this year, as long as 13 is plays. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back with more on the other side on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Here on Footnotes, you may not always exactly hear what you want to hear, but you will hear what you need. And of course, I got all these, oh, you're an idiot. And you know, what kind of Saints fan are you? Look, I'm not telling you what I want to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen, what more than likely is going to happen. Back to more of the sports talk you need to listen to with footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Foot nose, Kevin Foot on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to remind you about Half Shell Oyster House. If you would like to win a gift, a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, 
All you need to do is join the Rewards Club by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. All right, we have time to go to the game hotline and talk to David. Hello. Hey, Kevin. Howdy, sir. Hey, what I think everyone's worried about is uh, putting the, the eggs in the Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas basket again another year. You know, like, that's kind of what we went through that last year, and it didn't, you know, it didn't pan out. I'm just thinking that, you know, that's what everyone's kind of concerned about, you know. And I'm not one, I'm not going crazy like everyone else is, you know. Because, like, I'm not – the market, there's no one out there to, like, really get, you know. Like, everyone without concerns, like uh, Odell Beckham Jr., I mean, he blew out his knee in the Super Bowl. And uh, what's the other one from Cleveland? I can't remember his name right now. You mean Jarvis anyway, Landry? Jarvis Landry, doesn't he, he have question marks as well? He's been injured, like, yeah. last year. Right. So, like – I'm not worried about it. I think, but I think people are worried about trusting Michael Thomas again. Well, I mean, they didn't have Mike. We didn't That's have like a, the Saints. Didn't have Michael Thomas last year or the year before that. Exactly. Okay, and so um, I mean, I, I feel pretty good that he can do better than he did last year. Yes, I feel better. I feel and better. He can I do feel, better last year. And I feel pretty good that he can do better than two years ago when he hardly played and he was hurt when he did play. Yeah. So the the idea that Michael Thomas is not going to be as too good, I think is a pretty safe assumption he's going to be better than he was the last two years. Pretty safe. I think yeah. Callaway, I think Callaway is going to be better as a number four receiver than he's going to be as a number one receiver. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, and and again, the the one big I guess you could say, well, you're making a leap here <coughs> or an assumption here is that that they're going to draft a rookie receiver and he's going to be good. Well, again, I guess that is a fair statement, but everybody's telling me how great all these guys are. I mean, all I know is if the Saints pick a rookie receiver in the first round and he's bad, I finally agree to this, and he's bad, then it's going to be a whole different issue. But, but no, I, I do not. I do not. I think that it's fair to say that whoever the rookie receiver that they pick, as long as he plays, is going to do better than the number three or four receiver has done on this team for the last, you know, five years. I don't think that's yeah. even a stretch. Yeah. I agree. I think another thing is, like, we have so much cap space right now, which we've, like, it's been a long time since we had this much cap space, and there's nothing to really, like, there's no activity. There's hardly anyone out there. And, and like, the perception is that we spent so much time chasing Deshaun Watson and came up empty that, like, we missed out on people. But is there really anyone that we really missed out on, you know? Well, if there's anyone that they that they would have gotten. I mean, again, I don't. Uh, offensive linemen. I, I do think that it's very possible that um, that the Saints are a little higher on Landon Young than people realize than than most of us remember. 
He was the guy from Kentucky that they took last year. Not necessarily to be the starter, but I'm talking about the criticism that there's not enough depth on this offensive line. I think they I think they think Landon Young is a really good backup tackle. They do like hers. I do expect them to draft a tackle. And it wouldn't shock me if they still sign one in free agency. I mean, I don't think that's impossible at this point. But I, I just think this I this idea that this offense is in big trouble because the offense was so bad. Well, the offense was bad last year because, one, it was in transition, and, two, it was decimated with injuries. Yeah, I agree. And it's like <laughs> – and now we have, like, the added stress of, like, Jameis Winston coming back after his injury. You know, I, I think there's a lot of question marks right now, and people are worried about, like, how is Pete Carmichael going to do as offensive coordinator? Um like I said, Jameis Winston coming back. Michael Thomas coming back after two years of not playing. And, like, I guess people are really worried, you know, after, like, having having a new head coach. You know, that's all – I think that's all part of it. Everything every, – just a lot of question marks and a lot of things to be worried about. And I, until, like, I, I want to see, you know, what Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael do before I, I jump all over them. You know, now, like, what what's going on in social media and, you know, everywhere else. I'd rather just see what happens first, you know? But no, like, I think again, that's all, like, yes. it's a lot of stress. Everyone's freaking out about it. Boy, you know? exactly. I'd rather give it time and see what happens. And and what's so funny is everyone, all these people, or most of them, or a lot of them, they think I'm negative. <laughs> that is hilarious to me. It's hilarious. They think no, you're I'm not negative, negative, Kevin. <laughs> they think I'm negative. It is so funny. Uh, all right, Kevin. Thanks. All right. Take care. No, again, I'm not saying there aren't things to worry about. Look, it's all about expectation and competition and all that. If if the Saints were in the AFC, I'd be real worried. Oh, I'd be real worried if the Saints were in the AFC. You know, which is kind. You know, this in, in the Saints in the eighties and nineties, the Saints were in the NFC, and the NFC just completely dominated, just total domination. Again, it's funny. We, you know, the AFC looks incredible right now. The AFC didn't win the Super Bowl this year or the year before, and they were lucky to win it the year before that, and they didn't win it the year before that. Uh, again, I, I think part of the panic is most of the QWs out there have bought that if you don't have a fancy offense, you can't go to the Super Bowl. It's not true. It's not true. And um, I I do not think Michael Thomas will ever catch 120 or 140 passes again ever. I don't need him to. I don't think the Saints need him to do that. I don't. But I'm totally confident that if he plays, he will do way better than he did last year, which was nothing. And he will do way better than he did two years ago, which was not very much because he was hurt all year and playing on a sprained ankle. Badly sprained ankle. So, I, you know, he's had 40 catches in the last two seasons. I think he'll, he, he'll double that this year. He'll be twice as good as he was the last two seasons, which is given us, he's given the Saints nothing in two years. 
So again, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think these are unreasonable expectations. I don't think that at all. But we'll see. But again, it's not that I don't want what I like to have. What I like them to sign Jarvis Landry just in case. Of course, I'm I'm perfect, perfectly fine with them dra- uh, signing a, a, a veteran offensive lineman just in case. Of course, and actually, you could sign a veteran. He might even start and be more than just in case. Of course, I'm I'm all for it. But but to think that. Are they going to sign one as good as a first or second round pick? Probably not. If all, unless all these draft experts are wrong about how good these offensive tackles are this year and how good these wide receivers are this year, which is possible, I don't know that they're going to sign signing some middle of the road wide veteran wide receivers going to be better than these guys or middle-of-the-road to slightly below-average uh, offensive veteran offensive lineman is going to be better than one they could pick in the second round. I don't, I don't know that. And, and again, <coughs> I, I, I'm not saying these guys are bulletproof, not saying they never make a mistake, but, but I'm also – but I am saying – the Saints, when was the, I mean, the Saints brain trust made a lot of good decisions in the last 15 years. They've done a lot of things well. They, they have earned my trust. And apparently for a lot of people out there, that, that, that trust is gone. It's just amazing to me. How uh, how there are some people who picked the Saints, who picked a reasonably healthy Saints team there in, in the preseason. They picked the Saints to have a losing season last year with health. They had a winning season with arguably the most unhealthy team in the history of the National Football League. And they still think the Saints roster stinks. It absolutely amazes me. Just think about that. They thought the Saints, even healthy, would have a losing season last year. They had a winning season in the complete opposite state of health. They were, you know, arguably, I don't know that they were, but they were arguably the most unhealthy team in the history of the NFL. Statistically, they were. I don't really believe it, but it's in that category, in that conversation. And they still had a winning season, and they still don't trust this front office. They still don't trust the team. It's unbelievable. And they're just complete panic mode. No, David's right. They got people in complete panic mode. It's like all of a sudden the Saints turn into the Detroit Lions. Can't trust anything they do. They don't know what they're doing. I don't know. I'm just, I'm not ready to make that leap. Certainly not ready to make that leap. But we'll see. Hopefully they can, just to calm some people down, and for a little insurance, they can sign uh, somebody. By the way, if you haven't heard, Trevor Simeon, who I was a lot higher on than most of you, 
um, signed a two-year $4 million deal to be the backup quarterback of the Chicago Bears. So who is the Saints' backup going to be? Better not be Ian Book. Supposedly, the Bears now want to trade Nick Foles. So right now, I would be more worried about drafting a capable, because I really thought they'd they'd re-sign Simeon. With Simeon signing with the Bears, I'm more worried because I I really believe they're going to draft a wide receiver in the first or second round. I'm more worried about drafting an offensive, a backup quarterback so Batman can be Batman and, and I don't have to watch Ian Book play. Ian Book. You know what? I'm afraid that whole Ian Book was Casper. That was Casper's deal. So Casper inflicts us with Ian Book, then he quits. Thank you, Casper. Um, Casper the quitter. But um, I'm more worried about getting a backup in case Jameis isn't healthy than I am worried about getting a middle-of-the-road wide receiver who's probably not going to be as good as the guy they draft next month. People wearing me out. Casper the quitter. Ian Book. Boy, he better not be the backup quarterback. Ian Book. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back with more. On footnotes on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's not uncommon here on footnotes for Kevin Foote's voice and his blood pressure to rise rapidly during the show. The fat guys like you and me need to be watching Mop Up Time just like the stars do. Sometimes it rises a little too high. That is stupid. Stupid. Not to worry. We have EMT standing by just in case Foot passes out. Back to more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Let's go right to the game hotline. Hello. Hello, how you doing? Good, sir. You know what? I agree 100% with with everything you're saying. The one thing I haven't heard, uh, I agree that Callaway will be a better receiver once Michael Thomas is on the field, and also Dante Harris, because Tom, uh, Michael Thomas is going to take away uh, a lot of the focus, and uh, that will be more active uh, passes to them. The one thing that I don't hear anyone saying is that, listen, the whole quarterback thing on, on Taysom Hill is over, okay? We've seen that really he can't be a starting quarterback. He needs to be on the field every down. Why can't he be the uh, wide receiver slash tight end? You would have two Michael Thomases on the field 
Now, on every play, you could have the Wildcat play action play. You could do the jet sweep with them. I mean, they, the, the, the other defense would not know what's coming. Why? I mean, well, why I'm hoping no they do. That? No, I, I, I'm hoping they do. Uh, that Batman goes back to being Batman. And I also think that I never thought that Casper totally utilized Batman enough in the right way, and I'm hoping that they can do that. No. So I think it's there. I don't think he threw the ball enough. Um, no, you're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, I never understand why uh, Peyton uh, – I mean, when when Taysom Hill went on the, the field – Everyone knew, especially the opposing team, what's going to happen. He's going to run with it. Everybody yes. knew that. You know, so, yeah, I mean, if he's on the field on every down, you'll never know what's coming, ever. Now you have a, 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 a receiver with great hands who can run, who could block. And I just don't, I mean, but besides that, who who would you like for – the Saints to pick at wide receiver. Well, I mean, in a perfect world, I'd like Drake London, but I, I don't. I don't really think. He, I, I I really don't think he's going to end up being there. Um, but I mean, I would take uh, Alave from uh, from Ohio State. Uh, Jam- oh yeah, he's good. I like him. Jamison Williams. Jamison Williams from Alabama might be there just because he was hurt so late yeah. last season, and so he might be there. I I, I would take him. Uh, I'm not maybe quite as high on the the guy Burks from Arkansas, but he's six two two twenty five, and almost everybody's picking him in the first round. So I'd be fine with him too. Yeah, yeah. I I just don't put a lot of stock in Michael Thomas. He's been he's so prone to getting uh, uh, getting hurt the past two years. Man, it's a crapshoot going forward. What's going to happen if he can stay healthy? I think the Saints will be pretty good. But, man, he, he's just always hurt. Ha- having him on the field, like you said, when you first started your, your call, I think it's going to make a huge impact in oh, a yeah. positive way on all these other positions. Plus, yeah. plus having the – like, again, the, the way they handled the Batman being quarterback thing last year was just silliness. The whole thing yeah. – that was mishandled, in my opinion, the whole thing. And so he's going to be yeah. Batman now. Jameis is going to be the quarterback. And – uh, they just need to to get another running back, like I said last year, and um, hopefully, um, you know, they they can get one more running back, and I think they'll be fine. Yeah, I agree. All right, I appreciate uh, right. the call. Uh, Thank I'm you. I'm going to play around the golf. All right, beautiful weather. I'm going to take advantage of it. All right, good. Have fun. Appreciate the call. And I think the other thing it's going to help is. The tight ends. Now, again, I'm way higher on the Saints tight ends than y'all because they were terrible last year. There's no arguing that. They were ter- they were terrible. I'm not arguing they were terrible. I do think, though, that having – they were terrible in the midst of just complete disarray on offense. I mean, yeah, they were bad. They were. I, I think if they just get a little more stability on offense, they'll be better. And – I, you know, again, I still wouldn't be shocked if they tried to upgrade that position some, just with another option. And I still think Vanette, it can be the receiver Josh Hill was. He just didn't play, and when he played, they didn't throw it to him. He had a couple nice moments.
the whole season was just a complete wreck offensively last year. Injuries, just upon injuries. And of course, I thought they mishandled the whole um, Batman trying to be quarterback without running the ball. I mean, it's just insanity. It didn't make any sense the way. And then, you know, he 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 changed his body to be a a quarterback, and then he didn't even run. He just tried to be a pocket passer, which he had no chance of excelling at. I mean, the whole thing made zero sense. So, I I just I don't I don't think it's a stretch to say that they're going to be more stable, but. And another thing is, they're not going to have Armstead. That's true. But Armstead only plays half a season anyway. And Ramchek missed half the season last year, too. Like, I don't think. I think we know the Saints were injured last year on offense. But I don't think we really, the people who are really panicking really realize how injured they were last year. And how... Just being healthy, now I'm not saying they're all going to be healthy and play every game, but it just being a normal injured season with reasonable health um, will, will, will cure a lot of issues, a lot. Now, one thing, and we haven't gotten into it because the schedule hasn't officially been released. One thing I'll say is I do expect this schedule to, to help to be – to kind of feed to the to the to the panicking crowd a little more. I do think the schedule this year is going to be tougher than last year's schedule. Um and that was one of the really frustrating things about last year. Had they had they been healthy or reasonably healthy, um I mean, it would have been a great opportunity. I think they'd have been able to take even better advantage uh, of the schedule uh, last year. Um, but, you know, they were just so decimated with injuries, it just didn't happen. But um, I'm just saying it, it, it's too early to panic. Now, again, if we go, if we finish free agency and we go through the draft, and they end up picking a center in the draft, and they pick a um, defensive lineman in a center after the first two rounds, then you can panic. And I'll say, okay, I get it. I'm just, I, I'm not going to start panicking until the draft is over and they seemingly botch the draft. I just don't think that's going to happen. I, 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 I think... I, I don't know. Obviously, like again, I threw safety out there. It would not shock me if they pick us. There's a couple safeties that are very intriguing, and so it would not shock me if they picked a safety. I guess with this Saints team, you can never be shocked with any offensive or defensive linemen that are picked in the first two rounds. They love picking offensive linemen and defensive linemen early in the draft. And it's hard to argue with that logic. But this year, they I, I'm okay with one offensive line, but they've got to pick a receiver. And I don't want to pick a running back that early. You know, if you want to focus on something that they need to do in free agency, they need to pick up a veteran running back. They need to pick. That's what they need. If you want to pick up a mediocre player, don't pick up a mediocre receiver. 
pick up, pick up a mediocre running back. They need a veteran running back. That's what they need. I want Devontae Booker, but someone like him, Ronald Jones, who I believe is visiting someone, they need to pick up someone like, not a great player, very average, maybe even has had slightly a below average career, but is an NFL running back. They need a running back. Because you cannot count on Superman being healthy. And then who knows how many games Z28 is going to be suspended because of his stupidity in selling the team down the river in Las Vegas. So that's what we need to be. They need it. They need it. They need a running back. I wanted to protect him last year. They didn't protect him. And then he refused to protect himself. And now they, they need. I, I think Superman will do fine, but you can't. You talking about not trusting someone? Superman's always hurt. He never plays. So um, that's someone that whoever, whatever they get out of him, they get out of him. But you can't. You can't count on that guy being healthy. He's never healthy. So I think they need another running back. To you know, in other words, someone to replace what I guess Ty Montgomery was or what Tony Jones was supposed to be last year, never did, was never that person. They need to forget about Tony Jones and get a, a proven NFL football player to play to be that running back. That's what they need. That, and, and now they need a backup quarterback. Got Got to have a veteran backup quarterback that can do what Trevor Simeon did last year. Come in and not be scared, not have to scale down the offense and and you know, get come in there and start throwing darts to this receiver and that receiver. Now again, his problem is every he's too mechanical. We've gone over that over and over. I'm not saying he was perfect, but he wasn't scared and he knew the offense. They need a veteran Ian Book cannot beat a backup quarterback. Not as Simeon has signed with the Bears. They have got to get a veteran running back and a veteran backup quarterback. And no, I don't want to draft some stupid rookie like Ian Book. We just did that. Silly move. Casper the quitter. All right. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back, finish out today's Show next on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Kevin Foote, an award-winning journalist, popular sports talk show host, and a man who apparently moonlights as a doctor. A medicine season of a different strand in 12, obviously, because the criminal commissioner decide to inflict them with, with the, the whole bounty gate silliness. His descriptions of illnesses are extremely concise. A normal strand of a medicine season. It was a different strand. This out of the blue from Timbuktu and all of this bounty gate silliness. Dr. Foot is ready to write a prescription for what ails your favorite team here with more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to remind you to go to the website or one of the two websites. Put yourself in a position to win one of two gift certificates to Cypress Bayou. You could win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lesser Steakhouse or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen by simply joining the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. So sign up today. Have you heard the crazy NFL rumor that's been floating around? Some people have, uh, some reports have said no, but there's a there's a crazy NFL rumor going out there that Tom Brady could be traded to the Dolphins. Please, <laughs> please do that, please. I mean, Troy's already hard enough to live with, and he would be impossible. And plus, he's been you know that way. Troy won't have to throw away his Tom Brady under rules because he's been having Tom Brady under rules. He's owned those for years. But um, you okay, Hannah? You- if he were to do that, I would be flabbergasted. That would be awesome. Like I would why? love like it. What? Because that'd be that'd be another elite receiver go to the AFC. I mean, I, they can all go to the AFC. Just right. keep like, making the AFC. Even, just keep beating each other up. Just being randomly going to see the Dolphins and the the uh, just keep Super going. Bowl this this year. <laughs> Oh no, they wouldn't make the Super Bowl, but it would be they would beat people. They would probably make the playoffs, and that would be one less obstacle for the Saints. I'm all for it. It would be. I'd be down for it. I would just like that would like set the the trading this off season. Oh, would be, be that top the charts oh, out of all the be. trades you've had. Oh, it yeah, would be, be off the wall and all that. Yes, it would be craziness. I'm all for it. Again, other than. I was hoping one day Troy would would be able to destroy his Tom Brady underoos, but he um he he would he'd be able to crack him out. I mean he he'd be he'd be all in it. He would lo- he loves he's been loving him for years. I'm all for it. Get all the good quarterbacks and all the good players in the AFC. That's a great plan. All right, y'all have a nice, hopefully safe weekend. We'll see the Cajuns and LSU baseball and et cetera, can get back on on the right track. Have a nice weekend.